104.7 The Cave. KKLH, Marshfield, Springfield. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs radio network. Touchdown, Kansas City! Now, it's time for Ned Talk. Hey, hey, we're in the studio once again for a beautiful Sunday. Wish we could do the show outside. Wouldn't that be nice if we could just go outside on the uh, on the deck that would be and do the show. Well, how long would it take to tear down the set and head out there? Oh, it wouldn't take very long. We've got all the equipment for it. We just need uh, Nick, Nick Fury to show up and, <laughs> and do it. I'm, I'm sitting here marveling at the uh, USFL uniforms because that league's getting ready to start again in April. Why not? And they have all the same names from the old USFL, believe it or not. They're using the same names, which I think is kind of cool. That is cool. So now they do get a break. The USFL gets a break if there is no Major League Baseball. But if there is, not that that's going to be a major indentation, but by the same token, they've tried this how many how many times? Five, six times? Uh, I don't know. Seven I don't times? Know. Yeah, but they got big wrestler money behind them now. Well, they hear the So let's see. Let's right. see what happens. Well, they've had wrestler money behind them before, and it, it hasn't worked. But we'll, we'll see. I'm Joe Weston. I'm joined in the studio by... Local radio broadcasting sports god, Ned Reynolds. <laughs> Listen to this. Listen yeah. to this, William. Yeah. Terrible. Comb your hair before you get in here, though, mister. Well, it's windy come on. It's only it's because it was windy outside. <laughs> oh, come on. Whatever. Jay Gillette's with us. Jake, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Doing good. And uh, Josh Roberts is here. Hi. I always wear a hat, so you, don't, you can't tell if my hair is messed up. Nobody else has got a, a, a 16-year-old today? Nope. A 16-year-old? Nope. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's that's why John's that's why John's not with us today. Oh, oh, oh well. Yeah. Well, Ned mentioned baseball, and I wanted to start there today because I, uh, I I got a chance to talk to our friend of the show, Michael Vincent, mm-hmm. and I wanted to see his thoughts on the whole strike or the whole lockout, and and get his thoughts from the players' perspective because he is a former professional baseball player. He knows a lot of guys, and there's a big community of former and current baseball players that live right here in the Ozarks. And so I wanted to get his perspective. And what he said is that the players are prepared not to play for three years. Wow. That's crazy. They are prepared to go to the mat on it, that they owners cannot break the union, and that they don't really care about the fans, that the whole thing with attendance at baseball games is completely overrated and that they're hoping that they'll they're betting they're banking on making up the money on streaming and gambling now what's your thoughts about well that? i have to agree with them on two of the three but it's i can't believe and, and again i'm a novice i don't collect any of the paychecks from baseball, but I can't believe that they're prepared for three years of idleness, of, of, of no playing at all. That that doesn't compute. I'm not sure their their current slush fund is going to go, go through for one year. I hope we don't see that, but I think probably that's what the I, I do the objective of what the owners have done. It's the owners who locked out the player. Players yeah. want to play. They want to get out there and, and compete. The owners have locked them out. The owners are the ones who have padlocked the spring training gates until the minor leaguers show up. They are the ones who are playing the stalling game. And it's so obvious from all of their contract negotiations what they have done. They haven't improved anything at all. 
They're playing, in my opinion, the baseball version of the North Carolina four-corner offense where you pass the ball to one corner, back to another corner, out here to a guard, pass it back to another guard, and you have a score of 12 to 10 and things like this. (laughs) There's no shot clock. Here, the owners, in my opinion, and, and I do agree with Mike here, I don't think the owners nor the players give one damn blast about the fans. They don't. But... When the fans don't show up, when if and when this ever gets settled and games are going on, and the fans don't show up, I think suddenly it'll dawn on them, yeah, what do we have here? Aren't we playing in a pandemic again? Because that's exactly what happened. There were no fans in the stands. And what kind of atmosphere did you have? Zero. I, I fault, in all honesty, I fault the owners in this case. His point with it, and I thought this was very interesting, and I'll get Jake and Josh as I'll bring them into the conversation about this. His point of all of this is the player's perspective is that they want to create a level playing field for all of the teams. And their his major point is that uh, a few years back, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. was the best player on the Toronto Blue Jays team. They sent him to the minor leagues for 31 days so that they could control him longer. So when they broke camp, Toronto did not field the best team. And then his other point was that a lot of these owners who, Ned, to your point, they're billionaires. They didn't get to be billionaires by losing money. And that's what they're going to seriously be doing here very shortly when baseball doesn't happen. But his point is that some of these owners, and I'm calling you guys out in Kansas City, I'm talking to you in Pittsburgh, when you get that luxury tax from the Yankees, the Red Sox, and the Dodgers, it doesn't go in your back pocket. It goes to free agency to make your team better. And that's what the players are trying to get the ownership to do. Okay, so you say that the owners are worth billions. Yeah. And, and look at the stock market. It's all over the place, right? And those yeah. guys are making money on top of money where the players are not billionaires. I think the owners can hold out longer. But I give, if they're really going to truly sit there and try to argue and do something, I, I give it six months. I really do. Um, I don't see some of these players lasting that long, these slush funds, or they're saying, oh, we can, I, it's all talk. I think there's... There's no way that living on their lifestyle that they can sit there and curb what they're used to spending. Now, they are making money, too. I'm sure they have their um, financial advisors doing all this thing, and they're making money. But when you're not playing and you're making so many hundreds of thousands per game, you're not making hundreds of thousands per game or per day in the stock market, honestly. if you're going, It, it, it doesn't make sense to me. But I do think that the players will end up coming up with something to get baseball started because they need to, they need that. These guys aren't used to being around their families that long. I mean, I'm not saying anything personal, <laughs> yeah. you know, but you know, it's one of those deals where these guys they have a lifestyle too, not just at home. And and I'm not saying anything personally or or trying to bring up anything derogatory. What I'm saying is, at the end of the day, they're going to break. The players will break. I, 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 I'm going to disagree with you on that because okay. I just I just really feel like the owners and they already are showing signs of breaking because the new negotiations that start this week, some owners are flying in for it. And that shows me that there are some of the owners who are probably already getting a little itchy and going, 
look, we, you know, what, let's sit down and get this figured out because we can't we can't do this. Well, I think these are owners. I agree with you there. I think there are some who really do care about it. They would not have invested their billions in Joe. They're not losing money. The sidelight. They will. The sidelight is losing money. They are not. They have their money in industry and the Steinbrenners is example shipbuilding. That's just one isolated example yeah. of the of the uh, thirty two teams, thirty teams in uh, Major League Baseball, thirty two teams. Uh, but the fact is, it, yeah, they, yeah, their their little play toy that may be losing money, and there may be some who do care deeply about that. But I think more than that, the ones who are coming in for the negotiations and to offer an input are more interested in playing the game. Let's get it started. It's part of the American lexicon. It's dropped, but it is still part of our sports being and our public entertainment and so forth and so on. They don't want to be held up as bad guys. I think really that's more of it. But as far as them going poor, (laughs) not a chance. Right. What do you think, Josh? Um, I feel like, okay, when we're talking about billionaires and multimillionaires, it's irrelevant uh, to say that one has more money than the other. They all have plenty of money. None of them are going to be hurting if they if they don't play a season. The only people that suffer are the fans. Mm-hmm. I think that the owners, okay, you don't want to own a business that loses money. And if these guys are such uh, barons of industry or whatever, then they're not going to want to lose money any more than they have to in order to get what they want. So I, I kind of agree with you, Joe, that it feels more like the owners are going to bring something to the table, especially if the players have said that, that they're willing to hold out for three years. And look, I mean, multimillionaires figure out a way if if their money isn't isn't constantly streaming in, they're still going to do something to make money. I mean, musicians that are millionaires don't put out an album every week just so they can keep making money, but they are still making money. So I don't feel like the players are in a situation where they're going to be hungry and I feel like in this sense, the ownership may get to a point sooner where they're like, okay, we're tired of, we own this stadium that's that's losing us $100,000 a day because there's nobody in it and there's there's nothing going on. So one of two things is going to happen. They're either going to say, forget about it and just scrap the whole season. Then they'll start having concerts in their in their stadiums or they're going to bring something to the table that gets it done. Keep in mind, we're dealing here with egos, and we're dealing with massive egos. And one of the ego factors to consider is that neither side, neither side wants any bad publicity. They have already gotten bad publicity. Uh, But but if, if the season were to be fractured in any way, and that includes the opening week, then right now I think it's the owners who would get the the massive level of criticism from the public, and they they don't want that because, in effect, that does have a a strong influence on perhaps their their main course of income and so forth and so on. So there are many factors to think about it, plus the the auxiliary groups around, and they are massive in number, like the sales folks, the the concession stands and the programs and the parking and... All that sort of thing. Those are the people that are, I mean, really, those are the people that are hurt the oh, most yeah. because those people don't make a lot of money. And that's, that's their living for some of them, and, and they're being kept from their living. I looked it up on the Internet machine here, and it says that the owners themselves have come up with the number of $4 billion in losses is what, they, what they're going to incur with the lockout. 
That's a lot of money. This is collectively. Collectively, but still, that's a lot of money. And some of those owners are not billionaires. Mm, it's true. Very few. I think it's maybe three who are multi, multi, like seven or 800 million, but most of them are in the billions. So, and one of the things Michael pointed out to me too is, you know, this just kills me because, again, it goes back to the fact that nobody seems to care about the third partner in this whole thing, and that's the fans. Mm -hmm. It's the owners, the players, and the fans, and nobody cares about the third partner. Well, yeah, because and, if the fans don't show up, then you don't generate any of the revenue that you need to keep the thing going. It's the players willing to play in front of 5,000, 10,000 fans. Not, it doesn't have to be a packed house. If that's an overrated. That's, that's completely overrated. As far as that goes, it's just mind-blowing to me, the whole thing, because baseball is already a sport that is not part of the zeitgeist anymore. Mm -hmm. It's it's changing so dramatically. And football's, you know, one of the great things about football begins here, ends here every year, starts in August. Ends right around the end of January, beginning of February. They have their season. It goes by really quickly, I think. Whenever we're doing the shows, I always say, gosh, we're already to that part of the season. And they really don't try to creep over into the other sports. Hockey and and basketball just keep getting longer and longer and longer. I mean, basketball goes July to, you know, October to July. They only have a three months off. And baseball, there's losing interest in the game it's it's a group of people that on both sides don't seem to understand what's happening in america what's happening around the world with sport i i agree with you they do not and i it's and i partially agree and partially disagree they understand what's going on they don't care because the fans of oh come back they always do it's kind of like a herd of sheep they're they're going to come when we start playing games again the answer to that is don't test it too far. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's exactly what, that's so. exactly what Michael said. He said, they'll come back. That's exactly what he said. And this is a guy, he's not vested, so he's not getting getting the money that some of the players around here do get as retired former Major League Baseball players from the union. He doesn't get any of that. He's just a guy that knows a lot of players and has been there, knows what the players think, knows what the owners think, too. So I think it's all very interesting how this is continuing to play out and it uh i'm i'm past i'm past scared at this point what's your temperature on it ned i feel like the the season is going to be disrupted the regular season is disrupted and if anybody comes back to the games then they deserve what they're getting somehow some way i think they come up with some partial settlement of some sort and the both sides back off but I do feel like it's not going to come in time for the start of the season, which is March the 31st. That's, a, that's not all that far away. And they have to come to an agreement, and Major League Baseball has said this, so it is a fact. They must come to an agreement by February 28th, last day of the month, or the season's disrupted. So they do have a beacon there for which they, they're shooting, if they give a damn that's just it. I don't think they do. Sounds the like owners, the owners. I don't care what Mike said. Mike, of course, is a former professional player, but the owners are wanting to break that union. That is what they want to do. Now, by breaking it, I don't mean it for it to completely collapse, but to make them understand we're in charge. He who has the gold makes the rules. And, well, they, and the owners do. 
But the product, if you don't have a product, then it doesn't matter how much money you got. It's a sidelight, though. It is not their major level of True, income. True, but I'm going. what I'm going to argue with you about on this, Ned, is that, as I told you, as I've said, these guys, they not they didn't get to be billionaires by losing money. Oh, and no. as they start losing money, even in a sidelight, they're going to be... Uh, you know, this is not. This is really not working out. No, Joe. I, no, no. I don't disagree from that. Of course, they're in it to make money. Of course, that's what it, it's all about. But is it their primary source? No. Do they have to? Do they have to have the game to put bread on the table? Heavens, no. It, no, it's it's um, it is not the critical factor that it will be with the players. And I, three years, no, they don't have a slush fund that's going to last that long. Well, we'll see. We'll see who's going to break in this deal. We'll be back in a minute. We're going to talk a little bit about the Chiefs as we do Ned Talk on one hundred four point seven, the Cave. You're listening to Ned Talk on one hundred four point seven, the Cave. Part of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. I admitted to the guys earlier I didn't watch a second of the Super Bowl. Just so heartbroken over the Chiefs, so just couldn't do it. <laughs> I knew they belonged there, so I didn't do it. Sorry, guys. I, watched, I, could, I couldn't do it. I watched my murder. Sh- I watched my murder shows all day. <laughs> murder she wrote. <laughs> well, no, no. Old reruns. I uh, snapped <laughs> just to see how my wife's going to kill me. Just, oh. just know so it's going to happen. All right. What'd you think of the Super Bowl, Ned? Well, there isn't any question. There was something missing that spark uh, for this part of the country and for Chiefs fans. Oh yeah, that was definitely not there. Obviously not, since they didn't play. In terms of a game, uh, a little bit different from what I expected. I really felt like the Los Angeles Rams defensive line would dominate the game, which they did in the second half, but not in the first. And in the first half, kind of a feeling out process since neither team knew what the other was really had up their sleeve for a championship game. So it was kind of a jab here, faint, to use the boxing analogy, a faint with the right and so forth and so on, just to see who was going to give itself. And the, and the Rams had one sack of Burrow in the first half. And six in the second half. That's when I think they changed their game plan at halftime and went after him full barrel, decided to pressure the guy, see how he would take it. And like we had said earlier, the Bengals, while they are a good team, are not quite ready for prime time yet. May not be next year either because I really like the Buffalo Bills and the Chiefs. But over and above all of that, it was not an unexciting game, and yet it wasn't the nail-biter for several reasons, not the least of which is the fact that the Chiefs weren't there. <laughs> Jake, what did you think of the bowl? I like, Ned, how you said that there were, it, it was like one of those real football games where the coach was like, okay, we're going to try this on. So there was no Spygate. There was nobody knew what was going on. I'll tell you what. Uh, this is the first time in many, many, many moons that I didn't have a dog in the fight. Um, I didn't really care. I wanted to see Stra- Stafford get the ring. I wanted to see Donald get the ring. Um, I didn't like how the Rams went out and kind of, I'm not going to say bought the rest of their team, but they got Von Miller. They went and got OBJ, you know, some major players, which it looked like OBJ was a non-factor after the first quarter anyway because he hurt himself. But um, then when if Joe Burrow would have won, I thought, man, you know, that's kind of a cool uh, story because it was a team that made of all rookies. <clears throat> Excuse me. And they just 
gelled together. He's got many teammates from LSU. And so I just didn't care. And I, the, the wow factor, like you said, wasn't there. Um, I was bored when it was over. I was like, it feels like it could still go on for like two or three more hours. <laughs> I really thought it was just, it was in the back. Actually, the game was on in the background. I watched a lot of it, but then towards the end, it, it, I wanted to see, at the end, I wanted to see Bengals make it going overtime. But like you said, Donald finally got to them in the second half. I was happy for him to see that. And why do you not double team Aaron Donald? Why do you not double team him? Well, because, in particular. because of Von Miller. I think they, that would take away some of the pressure that he tries to, to add in there. The Rams are pretty good D-line. There's no question well, about are. that. And that's Hands what down. really decided it. In fact, I think Aaron Donald should have been the MVP. In my I agree. Opinion. I agree. Who was the MVP? Stafford? Cooper Cup. Cup. Cooper Cup. He should have been the MVP on the season instead of this just give it to Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> you know, I think they've got three guys' names at the beginning of the season, you know, that they, they look at. It's going to be Aaron Rodgers. It's going to be Lamar Jackson. It's going to be Patrick Mahomes. Everybody else pretty much doesn't have a shot. Brady he's gone. Uh, he's gone. He's retired. I think Who? they just have those three. I just think they have those three names. Who's that? Yeah. I've never. I'm never, this Brady used to sell Brady. Yeah. What What were your thoughts in the game, Josh? It was a it was a more compelling story for Matthew Stafford, who had played so much of his career with the horrible Detroit Lions to finally get a Super Bowl ring so that he can retire and go off into the sunset. That was a more compelling story than Joe Burrow being the first quarterback ever to win a Heisman Trophy, a national championship, and a Super Bowl ring. And he could always do that some other day. So the fix was in, and the Rams <laughs> won. The fix they were supposed to. So Arizona Cardinals next year is the team we're looking to win the Super right. Bowl, right? Yep, that's exactly. the home team. Yeah, it is the home team. So if we see that next year, will everybody – Get out their tinfoil hats with Josh and put them on? Well, I I won't because I don't think that figures into it. But if it does happen, my my confidence in in the credibility of the sport will begin to wane just a tiny (laughs) bit because I don't think the Cardinals will make it, although they have a pretty good football program. You, you, You are a project for me. My project with you is to get you convinced that the NFL is fixed. You're the owner and I'm the player and you're trying to break my belief. I am trying to break your <laughs> My project is to get you to join my union with me. That's what I want you that to do. That not going to be joined. All right. <laughs> Never know. Never know. So let's, let's switch to the Chiefs and a question I, I told Ned earlier this week I wanted to pose to the table was are the Kansas City Chiefs are they the St. Louis Rams of a few years ago, or are they the Atlanta Braves of a few years ago? Mm. Do you, what are your thoughts on that, Ned? Well, I'll tell you, the other day when I took a look at that, the formula that's being followed right now, they're the St. Louis Rams. Won the Super Bowl, lost the Super Bowl, got knocked off in the championship game of the division, and then were irrelevant from here on in. So the third statement has yet to be proven, but the other two have been. And you see a team that had the players. The one difference is that the Rams changed a lot of their front office during that time period. Head coach and key players left. Haven't seen that so much with Kansas City. Certainly not in terms of their front office. Some, but not not a great number. And the key players are still there. Is that good? Yes, in some respects it is. But in other respects it's not. Because the NFL is not Major League Baseball nor the NBA in terms of players' longevity. They aren't there very long. 
Hank Strand, back in the early 70s when the Chiefs had their powerhouse teams, loved the players. They liked him, and they stayed around too long. And mm-hmm. you saw what happened right after the, actually right after that Christmas game against the Miami Dolphins. They left it on the field. They never, ever came back until really the early 90s, late 80s, early 90s when Montana and that bunch came in there. But... I can see I can see a similarity with this Kansas City Chiefs team. I don't think it's going to happen because Andy Reid is so focused, as is the Hunt family, focused on having a winner. It's it's a big deal up in Kansas City. A lot bigger than in many other cities because it is mid-America and there aren't a whole lot of diversions as such. But I do see a possibility of if they don't play their cards the right way. I also see a more realistic possibility of the Chiefs not getting back into the Super Bowl for quite a while, not because they don't have the players or anything, but because everybody else is getting better. Look at the Buffalo Bills team. My God, that was a team that should have been there, guys. Should have been there. I know that's heresy to Kansas City Chiefs no, fans, truth. but they were really, really good. I hate it when you East Coast folks talk about us and our diversions, <laughs> about how we don't like to get off our tractors except to watch the Chiefs play. Anyway, what do you think, Jake? What's your thoughts? I, I know I'm probably stepping on your heart with this one, with this question. Oh, I think, honestly, I get this weird feeling that these players today, when I say these players, anybody that's 25 or younger are just bored with the game. And and I see this, I think Mahomes is very competitive, but at the end of the day, does it really matter? I think he changed a lot this year because of his relationship with his soon-to-be wife, having a baby, there's other things that matters, um, being Mr. Kansas City. I think that you don't see that back in the day when I was pointing at a picture here in the studio of players. You just don't. These guys did not own businesses and these and these like sponsorships are getting that are worth millions and millions of dollars. Like we were talking about baseball. Is this their only outset of, of, of financial gain? No, it's not. But the game has made them who they are. So going back to the Chiefs and what's going to happen, um, you know, I don't – I see them going back. I see a good two or three more years. The contracts are lining up. They're going to make some offseason moves this year that's going to make them better. Um, I hope the Calvin Ridley thing pans out. We need a really good slot receiver. That's something that Mahomes has never had is a good slot receiver. McCall Harbin was supposed to be that person. Robinson was supposed to be that person. And it, I don't know if it's Bienemy or Mahomes, who doesn't look for that slot receiver. But if you look at the plays from my standpoint, which is in the seats, they're not doing many plays with these. They're, they're, they're having that thing where Kelsey goes out, turns around five yards, and then he's gone for 20. And I think the slot receiver is what we're missing. And if they can land that deal with Calvin Ridley from Atlanta, that would be awesome. And you got to let go of the other guys. McColl and, and Robinson, they need to go. you got to stick with Hill, Kelsey, find that third, use, you know, and the running back, CEH, is not the answer. We're talking about that. I think Jarek McKinnon is. He's a lot like Williams from the Super Bowl. Smaller, more agile, faster, can get through the hole because he's smaller. CEH is not built for that kind of run game straight up the middle. Just isn't. We talked about that. that we, we were all more impressed with Williams, with McKinnon, with uh, Gore, that they all played extremely well. And you would see them in maybe a quarter, and then they would disappear. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Gore had a couple of really impressive games where he caught passes. He ran the ball. He's a smaller runner, 
but he's got some bulk to him. And you'd see like a series where gore, 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 and then second half. Well, running back by committee is the, has been in in the league for a while. Yeah, they try. I felt like they really tried to go. Okay, this is our Derrick Henry, or this is our Emmitt Smith with Ceh, and he just did not pan out. And look, they could have got Jonathan Taylor. Don't get me started on that. So, you know, Jonathan Jonathan Taylor went several rounds down the street. After they picked up CEH in the second round, I believe so, they could have had Jonathan Taylor. And yeah, hindsight's twenty twenty. I I also want to throw this out. If it's true that they looked at Mahomes and said, "Who do you want?" At what point do you kind of scale back and go, "Okay, we're going to start making these decisions." Kick the field goal before halftime against the Bengals. I'm in, I'm in charge. I'm the boss. This is what we're going to do. Yeah. I appreciate them going out there. Well, look at Aaron Rodgers. That's why he got so pissed at the Packers because he didn't. They didn't involve him in day to day activity. But I think there's a lot. Chiefs need to change their mindset a little bit, and they need to reel in their players. Let me go back to something you said earlier and get your impression on this quickly. And and that is, uh, I think we put Patrick Mahomes in this kind of pantheon, and and the pantheon that I've seen him in for me, and this is big names. Michael Jordan, Derek Jeter, two guys that got the money, but they were hungry all oh, sure. the time. Is is Patrick Mahomes, does he belong in that group? Or has he still got to earn I it? I think it's there. No, no, no. I think he's there, but he's the team believes in him. And that's yeah. all that matters, really. Um, so he's a true captain of the team. And I, I think it's there, but I think he needs to control some of his family stuff off, offside. That's been big, a big thing for the last three weeks. I don't know if you've seen it, where is Brittany and his brother, you know, taking some of the limelight away from him, or are they a true distraction? Which to me, I think it is. I think he's because they're young kids. These are kids. These aren't 30-year-olds. And they're not 30-year-olds from our generation. Yeah. Even Travis Kelsey, who's 31, 32, is still a kid because he's not from our generation. These kids are totally different mindsets. Josh, what do you think? Man, you sound old when you Yeah, he does that. sound old. <laughs> Get off my lawn. That's right. Get off my lawn, you crazy <laughs> Well, I'll roll, let me roll back first to the comparison that we started here. I don't see the Chiefs being like the St. Louis Rams because the St. Louis Rams had an old quarterback who threw a bunch of interceptions and just got lucky and won a Super Bowl. Uh, he's got a movie out he's about a grocery him right sack now. bagger, right? Yeah, he's a sack he's a grocery forget. bagger. And he was in another Super Bowl after that, too. Yeah, didn't do so well. Anyway, um... So I, I think the analogy is more accurate to to look at them possibly like the Buffalo Bills from the 80s or, or 90s or, like you said, the Atlanta Braves, where they're always going to be competitive. They're always going to be up there. They're probably going to win their division most of these years, if not all of them. It all depends on how Herbert develops and, and what Denver does. But oh, the Raiders. The Raiders are the Raiders. They're going to be competitive with the Chiefs anyway. Hey, I, you know what? I'll say this again, and I know this hurts every Chiefs fan out there. That team had an amazing year to go 10-7 and seven with all the huge oh, amount of distraction that they had. Yeah, for sure. But because there's so much talent in the AFC and it's all young talent, it's going to be tough for the Chiefs to carve out a dynasty. Yeah. And so that's what remains to be seen. And that's why I feel like they could, they're always going to be in contention, but they may be in that we get to the AFC Championship a lot, but not necessarily get to the Super Bowl. All right. When we come back, we're going to play around the shot clock right here. Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. You're listening to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. 
part of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Yeah, we are. And we'll be glad to have the Chiefs back next season. Now that the NFL season is officially over in the USFL, they're on the clock right now. We're watching. I'm thinking about being a Houston Gamblers fan, maybe. I don't know. I haven't made up my mind yet. Is that the we'll closest just, team to us? I don't know who the closest team is. I, I had that up just a second ago looking at it because I'm, I'm fascinated with these startup leagues. I really like them. I like them as a kid, and I really like them as an adult. And I wish one would just kind of take off, even though I know they won't. I mean, it just thought, uh, it just NFL, doesn't catch on. I NFL Europe was cool when it first started. Yeah, I thought that was kind of cool too. And I, <laughs> I mean, I think that I think football could do with the with the minor league. Sure, I really do think that it could. You know, and and if it was done right. There could be some interest in it, but everybody seems to yawn. Although when football's the, over, people really want football to be over. They really just want to do their thing. Ned's asleep with me talking about it right now. He's just sitting there. So we're going to do <laughs> shot clock where I uh, play my little thing that uh, that uh, has a shot clock in it. You get 45 seconds to talk about whatever subject I bring up. And then you just you have to talk about it. And when the clock goes off, you're done. Your mic goes off. No so we'll start with Mr. Reynolds because uh, I had a one of your fans, one of your many fans, call me before the show started, and he said, "It's from Big Mike, by the way." And he wanted to tell you that he loved you and that uh, he wanted <laughs> want, wants to know your thoughts on uh, well, first the Daytona 500 and short tracks in stadiums. The short track in the stadium, I thought, was a great experiment. This is the Coliseum in Los Angeles. They had the Bush Clash out there, and it's a very short track. It's only a quarter of a mile. So you had cars just simply going around in circles. But the crowd was 60,000, 60,000 at the Coliseum. Thought a great experiment. I don't think the short track in a stadium like that is going to last very long. It's just an, an experimental circumstance because the Super Bowl was out there and a great kickoff for that. In terms of Daytona 500, hey, Kyle Larson has dominated every level of NASCAR. NASCAR driver of the year last year. He has the pole position for this race, 181 miles an hour. The guy is truly a competitor. I'm sure that Ned had some really relevant thoughts there, but we can't hear them because the shot clock went off. Yeah, there he is in the background just, just going on. Sorry, wow. sir. That's a shot clock violation. It goes to the other team. We're going to check in with Jake and see. All right, Jake, let us let me ask you this question. Olympics in today. Do you care? The Olympics? Yeah. Uh, not as much as I used to. Um, I think it's fun to watch. If you're sitting out. We're gathered here today to join Ruth Mike and Jill What's and on tonight? Oh, Okay, here's this. So as far as the Olympics, um, I'm happy for all the national people of being able to play a sport that they truly love, and they really work hard to get there. I wish they would get more. Uh, being in Beijing, they have no fans, so that kind of really dumbed down the game this this year for the Winter Olympics anyway. Got to see a great player in Sean, uh, who's a big uh, snowboarder. Sean White. Sean White retired this year. There's some, been some good. If you want to get into the controversies, of the, that's more fun to talk about than just the Olympics. So there you go. That's my piece on Olympics. I All kept right. it. 
Corey good Porter. job. You, you did a you did a really good job with that. You actually uh, did did extremely well with that. You, you, you came just in first timer. You first don't know how to be well like I do. well under your time. <laughs> so I, I, I'm going to give a layup here to Josh. Josh, tell us what's going on in soccer right now. Oh, I love you so much. I know you do. Um, well, the Premier League has about. 11 games left in the season. It's a bit of a battle between Manchester City and Liverpool to, to determine who's going to win the, the title. They've also got uh, Champions League stuff still going on. The Liverpool's still in it. A lot of the big teams are still in it. So they seem to have their uh, COVID stuff under control. They haven't had to postpone any games in the last few weeks. But it's, you know, Premier League soccer in the professional level is just a grueling thing because if they're if you're good enough to be in the bigger tournaments as well as the Premier League, you're playing <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sure there was some really important things that you were gonna tell us right after that that were very interesting about soccer, but your shot clock went off. We'll be back to wrap up Ned Talk in just a moment. You're listening to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, part of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, a proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Usually at this point we would be making some sort of prediction, but we don't really have anything to predict. I guess we could do baseball season. Mm-hmm. When do you think it'll start? Give you a better idea on that in our show next week because they have promised, they being both Major League Baseball and the Players Association, that they will talk every day this week. Now, does it produce anything? I'm still of the opinion the owners want that union to crumble. But You're... over and above all that, I, I give you a better answer. I really think like the start of the season is going to be disrupted, but that's as of now that could change. Okay. All right. You're just like my mom. Next week. We'll talk about it next week. We'll talk about moving you to a home next week. Well, there's there's just... No, it it was, but there's (laughs) there's just circumstances that are going on that we don't know what's going to happen. It's true. All right. So we're going to answer that. What do you think of the the new Washington name, the Commanders? What do you like? Do you like it? Dislike (laughs) it? Hate it? Love it? Well, uh, I'm a Navy vet, and uh, going from the admirals that they were supposed to be to start out with down to Commander... That's busting him three ranks down there in the officer's level. Come on, what are you doing here, people? I would have much preferred something that did not have uh, perhaps a military bearing on it. Furthermore, you've alienated the uh, the Army and the and the Marines and the Air Force because they don't have commanders in there. It's all it, that's a Navy Navy function. Jake, your thoughts, commanders? Uh, they'll, they'll always be the Redskins to me. Thank you. Forever, <laughs> I would rather the the Washington Football Team was fine. After yeah, they I, after they picked that name, yeah, I kind of like that. What so, do you, what do you think, Josh? I think they should be called the Washington Lobbyists. <laughs> That's actually a good That's choice. More appropriate for where they are. All right, slam dunk competition. Are you just done with it? I mean, everything I saw in the highlights from last night was dunks that I have seen before. Oh, I'm so excited. Who won? I don't. <laughs> I somebody I've never heard so of was before. Michael Jordan in New York. Ob yeah. something. Oh, it's the kid from the Knicks. Oh, That's right. Oh, yeah. Was Dominic Wilkins in it? Uh, no, he was not. Oh, the human highlight film. The three-point contest, uh, Towns, 
He had 29 points in that final. And I, I'll tell you, I don't think you can get more than 30, can you? I don't. You're asking me a question. Larry I have Bird any clue to it. I don't have the answer. <laughs> Larry Bird had the greatest challenge I've ever, ever heard in that three point. Who was here playing for second? Yeah. Walked into the locker room yeah. and said that. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> All right, we'll wrap up our show. I, I, let's do something new to wrap up the show. And, and I saw this on Facebook. Somebody had a question. Who's the most famous person that you've ever had a, a conversation with? Not, uh, hey, hi, how are you? Who's the most famous person you've ever talked to? The one that, uh, in terms of an interview and things like that? Or just, you know, had a conversation with. Maybe you didn't interview them. You just, like, were, hey, I would have to say there are two. One is Joe DiMaggio, and the other is Dr. Fog Allen. Why is it that you can't just answer a question? Just I just asked for the (laughs) most famous person you talked to. Because I can't categorize one over the other. And you said Joe DiMaggio, which I think most people know. Fog Allen, you were everybody's like, who? Oh, Oh, come on! I know who Fog Allen is, but come on, there was a lot of people. We'll give KU basketball some props there. Thank you. Absolutely. All right, what Uh, about my most famous would be Ned Reynolds. (laughs) You stole mine. Oh, Um, actually, I will tell you, Ned, you come in a very close second to this, the playmate of 1994, Jenny McCarthy. Wow. Wow. And she was the playmate? Well, she was filming a movie on the streets of uh, New York City, and I had a niece with me that was just cute as can be. (laughs) So she comes up and was like, oh, my God, your daughter is so cute. And I'm just like, "Uh, she's not my, yeah, this is my, yeah, this is Danielle, you know. And (laughs) so we sat there for like two or three minutes just talking, and I was like, you have no idea who that was, because I do as a 22-year-old man at the time. That's not how I wanted that conversation to go. Right. Yeah, that's not that's not what you want to hear with your, with your cute niece Okay, so Bob. there I was in the red room. <laughs> exactly. Okay, Josh, now Josh will be an interesting one because oh, Josh has had an interesting life. Yeah, I've met a lot of celebrities. Uh, He's a name dropper. If you want to go with sports, I'm going to say Muhammad Ali. Wow. Uh, yeah, Josh has a great picture of himself with Muhammad Ali. Where he's punching me in the face. Gotta, it's yeah, awesome. Yeah, it's, it's a really good picture. Uh, if you want to go with celebrities, uh, Ivan Reitman, who just passed away Oh, recently. wow. I met him. Uh, I rode up on the elevator with Michael Eisner, and we talked about how weird the weather was in L.A. that day. He uh, was James Cameron, you've had some interviews. I never him. met James Cameron. You never, you, 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 I interned for his company and never met him in the wow. four months I was an intern. Um, that's because he was an avatar, wasn't he? Yeah, that's all he was. I met really. Judd Nelson. I met um, again Jennifer Tilly. We're looking for I one. I don't know who. We're I don't know who would be the oh, most Muhammad. famous. Oh, Muhammad! Come on. Yeah, well, I mean, Muhammad Ali. Yeah, Muhammad Ali is going to be my favorite. And then let's say Michael Eisner in in Hollywood. Okay. How about you? Uh, I'm going to say a name, <laughs> and Josh will be, probably be the only person that goes, "Oh yeah." Uh, Frank Black. Oh, yeah. yeah that's the most famous person that I've ever, ever met. I hung out with him for just a few moments backstage at a show. That's awesome. So there you go. I'm envious of that. Then, then it would have to be Evan Dando to get even more obscure and meta. All right, guys. We'll see you next Sunday noon right here. Wayne 7, the Cave Ned Talk. Thanks to Mike the Intern, Brian Tyndall, Corbin Campbell, and Nick Fury. Have a good week.